Father, thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, that what begins in this building must be exemplified by us living connected to you all week long. And that if we're shallow with you through the week, then our Sundays will be shallow. But if we're deep with you through the week, if we're committed through the week, if we're feasting on you through the week, then, Lord, our Sundays will be full, full of the Holy Ghost, full of your might, full of your grace and your goodness. And I thank you for that. Father, would you show us continually how to embrace the culture of your kingdom here on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. The culture of the kingdom of God is a counterculture to the world. And I apologize on behalf of Christianity for centuries gone by of how this has been missed. Because as I said earlier, the major focus seemed to be here's some minimum entrance requirements to get you into heaven when you're dead. That Christianity is about securing your eternal destination. And the enemy rejoiced because he gets to rule and reign everybody here. Jesus came to evict him as the ruler of this world and offer a counterculture a counterculture to the way the world does things. And I think this community of saints should be a perfect example of a counterculture to the world. So where they lead with pride and jockeying for first place and all that, we lead with humility. Our culture is humility and servanthood with eyes upon the lonely, the broken. Where are they? How can we help? See, when God wants to change the world, He doesn't send in tanks and guns. He sends in the meek, the mourners, the poor in spirit, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. (laughs) That's how he changes the world. When Jesus came to announce that a theocracy was here, that it's good news, the good news of the kingdom of God, that God's will, there's a realm now, there's a sphere where God's will and what he wants to happen can happen. And and when he came announcing this good news, it was to be a complete counterculture and to serve notice on the enemy that his days of ruling and reigning, human hearts, were over. So the coming of the kingdom begins, though, with the transformation of your will. You must exchange your will for the will of God. We don't like that very much. We like to be in charge. We like to protect ourselves. Do you know... Even a two-year-old is a little sovereign. He's got a kingdom. He does. And it's inherent in him. He knows he can rule himself. And it comes out in words like, mine. No. (laughs) His two favorite words, mine. No. Why? Because he's got a kingdom. But he must grow up and recognize that the worst thing he can do is self-govern and live for himself. For if he tries to protect and save himself and his kingdom, he will lose himself. We know this to be true. So Jesus comes modeling, not my will, but thine will be done. That is that is the good news of the kingdom of God. There's a realm now where God gets what he wants. And that that is Grace Church. And it happens, it's fantastic because it happens as our sovereignties intertwine. So Adrian is a little sovereign, according to Scripture. He can rule himself if he so chooses. But so can I. And yet we're connected through Grace Church and Vance. And I like your shirt a lot, by the way. (laughs) like that pink, 80s pink. But 
What happens is we intertwine. Our sovereignties intertwine. And how do we get along? What, ha- what happens in churches when churches are thriving, getting along? What's everybody saying? Not my will, but thine will be done. We're all here for God's will. Why do churches split? Why do they argue over, well, I wanted brown carpet. We've had green carpet in this church for 50 years. Kingdoms, little kingdoms pitted against each other and they divide and they fall. I'm telling you, I see this as clear as as through glass that the, the coming of the kingdom is the coming of the will of God. And we have to go ahead and abdicate how we want to rule our lives and lead our lives to let him lead. And say, Lord, not my will, but thine will be done. So in Jesus in Matthew 6, 33, he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, the realm whereby God gets what he wants. Seek that. And everything else that you're worried about, that you know you need, your provision, your protection, your safety, all that will be added to you. The Father will care for you. if You'll trust him. So in announcing and embracing and building God's kingdom culture here at Grace Church, we are absolutely certain who we are, how we behave, and what we do as his kingdom citizens. Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is what's happening. So um, let's recap a little bit. The prayer was that Christy Whitlock had introduced, Lord, show us how to embrace a culture that's counter to the world. We don't want to live how the world tells us to live anymore. So number one, embrace your true identity in Christ. Number two, embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. By the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God comes. Matthew 12, 28. By the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God, not through religion. Religion has no power. And then in verse 29, he says that he came here to the earth and he bound the strong man and has begun plundering his goods. So the, ba- the uh, strong man has been bound. So now we can cooperate with Christ and take back what the enemy has stolen. Jesus came here and plundered the devil's house. He bound the strong man, the God of this world. And now we can take back what's been stolen. Number three, embrace the lordship of Jesus over every part of you. If he asks you to forgive, forgive. You can you can. Self-govern, you can say, by God, I'm justified to hate that individual. You can do it to your own demise. You have every right to do that, but you also have a right to be deceived, and you're deceived. If you think that holding grudges somehow gives you power over that person, it actually gives the enemy power over you. He is taking dominion over you. Because unforgiveness is not the nature of God, therefore it's not the nature you're designed for. So that's what it means for Jesus to be Lord. You abdicate leadership. Um, he, he takes your your will, which must be redeemed. It must be transformed. Your will, the seat of your choices, the seat of your affections, the seat of your desires must become undivided. Hero Israel, the Lord your God is One, he's undivided. He's totally united with himself. He does what he says and he says what he does. And you shall love the Lord your God with all. If we're honest, we've not loved the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Uh, Yet that's what we're made to do. So transformation, the coming of the kingdom happens through transformation of the will. 
the seed of our affections, our choices, our desires. It comes through the transformation of the mind. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that I don't want what the world wants. I want what God wants. I want the realm. I want to live and exist in the realm and in the culture whereby God's will is being done, where what God says goes. And the beauty of it is when, when God's getting His way, people are being healed. People are being set free. And not just physical ailments. People, three people have been healed of unforgiveness. He said, forgive. They forgave. And there was great joy and healing. Isn't that wonderful? That brings me to number four. Embrace the health and healing of God's kingdom. The devil gets mad, but he can get mad all he wants. We're going to continue to realize that part of living in the culture of the kingdom and preaching and announcing and demonstrating the good news of the kingdom of God is at hand is that health and healing are are present. Read the Gospels. It is everywhere when Jesus would announce the kingdom of God had come to a town, people would get healed. I love it. So number five, here it is. Stay immersed in the presence of God. How do we... How do we Embrace the culture of the kingdom of God. We must stay immersed in God's presence. We must be people of his presence. And I know he's in you. His presence is in you. But there's also a manifest presence of God where two or more have gathered together. There he is in our midst. When we worship him, God uh, is manifest upon the praises of his people. So there's a corporate where there's two or more manifestation of the presence of God. I, I think if we're at Grace Church embracing the culture of our Father's kingdom, we should be people of His presence, that we hunger and thirst for Him. Hebrews 11.6, God is a rewarder of those who diligently sleep on Him. No, seek Him. <laughs> we're not to be the church of the frozen chosen. Be people of His presence. Our services should be marked by a, a, a trait of the culture of the Father's kingdom. And a, a trait of that culture is His presence. Amen. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me with your whole heart. Look at Psalm 105, verse 1, amplified. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His doings among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Meditate on. Talk of His marvelous deeds. Devoutly praise them. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek and require the Lord as their indispensable necessity. Man, more than anything, He is our indispensable necessity. God forbid we ever have church services where God is really not required to be there. Bad. Thank you, Cindy. Unfortunately, it happens. He's the indispensable necessity. What if we come one day and there's no instruments? Like, oh my gosh, you're an instrument. We can still have church. We can still glory in Him. We can still praise Him. He is the indispensable necessity. And if we are Christ followers, we are people of presence. Verse 4. Seek, inquire of, and for the Lord. Crave Him and His strength. 
His might, His inflexibility to temptation to the world. Seek and require His face and His presence continually evermore. Woo! Who are we? We are kingdom citizens who seek and require His face. We must have His presence. We're people of His presence. And I know He lives in us. Okay, so that's a truth too. But how about this? Engage with His presence within you. Engage. Everybody say engage. Engage with His presence inside of you. He can be in you and you never engage Him. Engage Him. So the kingdom for right now is the kingdom of an offer. It's not a demand. He won't run in and take Kyle over against Kyle's will. Will. But if Kyle abdicates his will and says, Lord, I want your will, God gives him his spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that executes the will of God in the earth and in Kyle. And he'll empower him. He'll, through agapeo love, influence him to choose God's choices. That's the work of the Spirit. Aren't you glad it's not just something we believe? Oh, yeah, I believe that, so I guess it'll happen now. No, you receive him, and he gives you the Holy Spirit. His life, his very zoe DNA, goes inside and begins to influence your heart, influence your choices. Now, he won't choose for you, but he will influence you and love on you to choose his way. He'll teach you truth to the point you'd be like, I'd be an idiot to do that. I'm not going to do that. I know that's death. He'll teach you the truth. Holy Spirit, when He comes, He'll guide you into all truth. So we got to seek His presence individually, engage with Christ on the inside of us. Man, He's your roommate. Don't let Him be bored. (laughs) Know the value of His presence. Engage His presence. Turn your receivers on. Amen. Don't let Him be dormant in there. Father, we want to be so immersed in You and Your culture and Your presence that the world's culture seems so foreign to us. We're like, what? What is going on? And not looking down our nose, but having absolute sorrow and pity over the way they're going. Because there's no life in it. May we spend more time in the Father's culture than we do in the culture of the world. You say, how's that possible, Steve? I work 40 hours a week. Christ is in you. The culture of the kingdom goes with you. So engage with Him at work. Engage with Him at home. Amen. So you're a little sovereign and then you get married and now you've got another little sovereign, your spouse, and together you both can say, not my will, but thine will be done. And you'll have what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. But if you start making demands and accusations and mine and no and... So you create a culture in your marriage and then you have children. Now you've got three little children plus you two And all the little sovereigns. Yeah, even the two-year-old knows he's got some sovereignty. Now now there's five of you. Did you know you can still build the culture of the Father's kingdom as a family unit where love and joy and forgiveness reign in our family? Not, Not grudges, not terror, not anger. When... 
It's time to go on vacation. You've got dad driving, mom's here, three kiddos in the back, and they're all arguing over the video game. That's not the culture. Whose domain, do, who, whose domain is the car? At least he thinks it is. Dad. So dad takes his hand, reaches back here so his kingdom would come. And his will would be done. Because this culture of fighting in the back seat is driving him insane. It's not the culture he wants. <laughs> All our little sovereignties intertwine. So we better learn to say, not my will, but thine will be done. And dad can still, he can execute dominion, but he can do it in a culture of the father's love. Amen. You say, well, what do I do if I can't reach him? You know, they hide in those corners. Just a little tap on the brake. He's, he's bring him right, bring him right to you. <laughs> Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pull this kingdom over right now. <laughs> We're going to change the culture of this car right now. <laughs> yeah, this is great because you see it. For you to say that, you see it. So when Jesus came, think about this as the only gospel he preached. Repent, change your loyalty, your allegiance, and your mind. Change the seed of your affections and your will. The kingdom of God is at hand. What he's saying is the will. The, I'm bringing you a realm and a domain where the will of God, he can get what he wants to get in the earth. And so you've got the kingdom of heaven right here. I wish I had a little whiteboard. And then you've got the kingdom of the world. How's the kingdom of the world doing? Not so good. Kingdom of heaven looks pretty good. He wanted to take this culture into this one. And that's why I was apologizing earlier because somehow the church thought heaven was an escape hatch. That, you know, Jesus came teaching minimum entrance requirements. Just believe this, say this, whatever. You, when you're dead, you can go to heaven. No, he's trying to, he's affecting life on this planet. And the culture of the kingdom of God is a way that you're designed to live. It's a lifestyle. It's a culture among our church family. It's a culture among the Whitlock family, the Corey family. All of you have your own kingdom cultures as your sovereignties intertwine all the way across the board. Choctaw has a culture. Chicago has a culture that needs radically changed. You agree? So we need heaven to come into Chicago. But you can't shut down your city gates to the love of God and His presence. But it's a, it's, Jesus came not as an escape hatch to heaven, but as a culture, a life to be lived here and now. That this is what life in the kingdom looks like. And so He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So He is the embodiment of a human being, albeit divine, but who came and said, not my will, but thine will be done. Who said, I only do what the Father... You see, he, he wasn't living by himself. I'm, I'm not leading myself here. I'm deriving from the Father. So he's the pattern son. And the quicker we get to lordship, which is a great def, defining of what I'm talking about, the quicker we get to lordship where he's in charge of us, not us. And so if he says no to pornography, then we say no. And if he says no to that television, so we say no. And if he says uh, no to alcoholism, we say no. 
he says no to hate, we say no. If he says forgive that person, we forgive. Do you understand? And then we participate in his culture. But it's a life to be lived. Everybody say that. It's a life to be lived in the here and now, not just the hereafter. Listen to this quote. I think this is a fantastic quote. Let's see if you get it. A planful worm beneath its soil clod would be diviner still than a planless God. Let me say it again. See if you can get it. A planful worm beneath its soil clod would be diviner still than a planless God. Anybody know what he's saying? That a worm underneath the soil who knows what he's doing, he's got to dig a hole here. He's got to make this happen. He's got to move some dirt. He's doing this, that, and the other. But he's got a plan. He knows there's something written into him. He's executing. He's saying that a worm with a plan and knowing what to do under the dirt would be diviner than a God who would make all of us with no idea how life is to be lived. And Jesus Christ came demonstrating building, announcing a way that life is to be lived on this planet. The Beatitudes. Ed, you can amen me. (laughs) The Beatitudes are not minimum entrance requirements and attitudes you can have so when you're dead you can go to heaven. These attitudes are how you live and bring the culture of your Father's kingdom into the earth. Blessed and healthy are the poor in spirit. Blessed and healthy are those who mourn, who care about the plight of others. They don't just care about themselves. They care about the hurt of other human beings. They're compassionate. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Healthy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness to prevail. Not tyranny. Not unrighteousness, not the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. We see it all the time. Does this this make sense to you? So the Beatitudes are a picture of the life that Jesus came announcing should be lived here in the here and now. Uh, Wow. I've mentioned these before. God's holy and He's enthroned on our praise. Psalm, that's uh, Psalm 22, 3. Psalm 16, 11. In His presence is fullness of joy. Nehemiah 8, 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The devil hates praise, whether you do it individually or corporately, because God inhabits, you become people of His presence that way. And in His presence is fullness of joy, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. So it strengthens you to be a person of his culture, of his presence. It strengthens you. Uh, I love Acts chapter 4. Let's look at that. This is verse 6. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John healed the man at the gate beautiful, and it caused no small stir. The world looks at some of this and says, right? And then the power brokers get involved. They're talking about uh, Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, all of them. They gathered them. They arrested them. And when they had set them in the midst, they said, By what power uh, have you done this? How did you heal this guy? And Peter, filled with the 
Holy Spirit, who's the executive producer of what God wants, said to them, rulers, <laughs> elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Wow. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become now the chief cornerstone of a movement. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled. Look at this. And they realized they had been with Jesus. That's our calling card there. If you're different at work, if you're different at the mall, if you're different wherever, dads, if you're, you turn your life over to Christ and you're different, I pray this is your testimony. They know that you've been with Jesus. Verse 14, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Woo! People of his presence, right? People of his presence. John fifteen nineteen. Jesus said, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, and I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. They don't get you. John 14, 17, 14. Jesus said, I've given them your word, Father, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world. If the kingdom wasn't offered as a way of living here, how could we help ourselves but be just like the world? Unless we were just escapists and took our shotguns and being a sausage to the mountains right waiting on the rapture or whatever um we're we're not supposed to look like the world but now i hope you're seeing god's offering you the culture and we had a word at prayer shield from gladys and i think it was luke 24 45 that jesus opened their eyes for understanding i think this is happening our eyes are being opened. This is a way we're designed to live. This is a culture that's present in the earth. It's an, a, an outright counterculture to how the world does things. Hence Jesus' statements here. Verse 15, I don't pray that you take him out of the world. You can quit begging for the rapture, guys. <laughs> He's praying. This is Jesus praying. I'm not praying you take him out of the world. I'm praying you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of this world. We're of a different culture. Come on, Holy Ghost. Well, it's not working. So, oh, there, there it goes. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Oh, I already said that, so it's not. Okay, let's try this. There it is. Bingo. <laughs> First John 2, do not love the world or the things in the world. And he's not talking about the people. He's talking about the culture, the system of the world. The God of this world, Satan has built. Okay? So don't love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Look at that. The love of the Father is not in him. We must be undivided in our love. We must be undivided in our desires. Undivided in our appetites. 
undivided in our motives. Verse 16, For all that's in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, it's of the world. Wow. So the kingdom of God, Jesus told Pilate in John 18, is not from here. Verse 36, 37, Jesus told Pilate, My kingdom is not from here. But you know what the truth is? It's for here. Even though it's heaven-born, it's spirit-born, it's for us to live here on this planet, to be lived here, offered here, experienced here. Jesus bringing uh, God's kingdom is about the one true God saying, time's up on all the governments of men. Remember the small stone that Daniel saw? Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the small stone, which is Christ. Grew up to be a great mountain, filled the whole earth. It smashed all the other what? Kingdoms. So when Jesus came announcing that the kingdom of God was at hand, that it had invaded, redemptively so, it's God saying, time's up on all the earth-born totalitarianisms. Communism, socialism. I don't, you can pick whatever you want. Fascism. They don't work. Even our version of democracy is confusing sometimes. We'll run and take out rulers of other countries and then we can't understand why peace, love, and grooviness don't reign. Because only God can change the inside of a human being. Only He can take hate out of someone's heart. They can pass all the rules they want about hate speech in America, but you can't take hate out of a human being's heart through politics. Only the Spirit of God can do it. And so, I say all that to say, God's called times up on all these other forms of rule. And that includes, I believe, self-governance. The best thing we can do is abdicate rulership to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Matt, you guys can come. I want to read this from Christy Whitlock. I read it on my live stream the other day. And uh, whenever Christy had the first, you know, she talked about that prayer that we want to live different than the world tells us to live. I sat with the Lord and he said, Steve, if you all want to embrace the culture of my kingdom, here's what you do. Embrace new creation identity. Embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. Embrace lordship. Every area of your heart and life. I tell you to forgive. You need to forgive. Um, You know, the health and healing of the culture and then stay immersed in his presence. But the one that really stuck out to Christy was this one. Staying immersed in his presence. And I think this is such a good example She says, are we living apart from the world and choosing to be connected to God daily? Lord, give us the courage to live different than what our culture says is normal. When Steve first shared with me the list of things he's been preaching on about embracing the kingdom, I told him this one and being immersed in his presence stood out the most to me. It resonated with me because when I reflect on the last couple of years of my life, it's been key in my own growth in the Lord. What started with me spending time in his words so I'd have something to say at discipleship (laughs) when I was asked uh, 
what he was teaching me has transformed into me finding enjoyment with him and being better able to recognize his voice. So what started out as kind of, well, just a duty that she had to do. I got to come up with something for, you know, when Karen asked me, what a, what's the Lord teaching you? I need to say something. But it, look what it turned into. A delight of spending time with the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing his voice. She said, staying in his presence is just so fundamental now to how I want to live. So for me, the last couple of years, I've noticed that by letting go of the things that would normally engage me more in the world's culture, I now want to embrace him and his presence instead. This is transformation. Okay? And the seat of her affections, her will is changing. Okay? Then she says, practically it looks like this. I play worship music around me all the time. I'll even have it on now as background noise. This creates an atmosphere of his presence while I'm doing other things. I also find that I have little to no desire to watch TV anymore or movies because it seems to engage me more in the world's culture. Now listen to this. Although I know this doesn't separate me from the Lord, amen, in who he is to me, it's an activity that makes his presence seem less tangible to me when I engage in worldly things. It's a great way of saying it. Great way of saying it. It's really about living undivided. That's what's happening. And she, she, her appetite is changing. Movies, TV, they, it's not it anymore. It's him. I want to be with him. I want to participate in the culture that I was made to live in. And the world is so full of tooth and nail. It's so full of destruction and drama and dysfunction. Sometimes I think they just want to just keep us occupied with the left hand so the right hand's over here doing stuff we don't want to talk about and then she said this finally he recently has has me focused on making sure I talk of his ways with my children and within my home in everyday life if you spend time in my home I want the atmosphere to be one where the Lord's presence is very tangible this is what being immersed in his presence looks like for me But it all started when I cultivated a desire to spend time with Jesus and to hear from Him. Beyond this, kingdom culture to me is just the process of living more the way God wants us to live. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. His will, the way He wants us to live, His way, which means not letting the American culture and what's common, what's popular, have so much influence over our lives. Sometimes that's easier for some than others. But now I question everything, sports, television, movies, through the lens of how does this affect my relationship with Jesus Christ? Amen. Powerful, powerful power. Stand with me. Stand with me. Thank you, Christy. Raise your hand. They may not know you yet. Raise your hand. This is Christy right here. Christy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's definitely not shy right <laughs> do what okay yeah <laughs> right my sports friends I hang out with is that on walk it out That's on mine okay uh, 
That is transformation. The kingdom of God is in the earth. It is. And yes, when we're done here, we will go to heaven and we will be with him. And it'll be amazing. But until then, Jesus made a way, a portal. He became the door, if you will, where heaven could come here. And that's our Father's dream. There's so many hurting people. Many of them are here. They're not... How many of you know you don't have to go outside of church to find hurting people? Many of them are here. But let's build this culture. Let's embrace His will where God gets what He wants. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I thank You this morning for the work of the Holy Spirit in this house. Thank You that we are proclaiming the good news. It is good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. And so, Lord, we ask your blessing on all of our culture, our individual culture, sovereignty, but, Lord, our marriages, our families, our church, our city. Lord, even establish here in eastern Oklahoma County what you want established. If here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ, please come to the front after we dismiss. I want to meet you. If you want to receive him, we'll pray with you. If you've never been baptized or filled in the Holy Spirit and fire, I want to invite you to do that as well. Maybe you just want to rededicate. Maybe you're ready for lordship. If that's you, we'll meet you here at the front. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sing that. That's good, brother. Sing that. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.